0: And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome back Ned Wolpin from uh, Tutor at St. John's College. Ned, welcome back to our show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So um, one of the texts that you read at the college, and I am always amazed at the diverse reading list that you have there, is Plato's Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know this is something that interests you. So why don't we start with an introduction? What is Plato's Republic and why is it still read over 2000 years after it was written?
1: Sure. So Plato's Republic is one of of many books that uh, Plato, uh, an Athenian, uh, wrote. Uh, Plato wrote books often to sort of investigate questions, fundamental questions, um, whether it's what is love, what is truth, what is rhetoric, mm-hmm. or what is justice. And in, that, and in the case of Plato's Republic, it, he's, he, he's attempting to answer the question or at least to sort of dwell on the question, what is justice? And what comes out of that book uh, is is a deep exploration of that question, and uh, and and it um, att- attempts to really give us a sense of how to approach it. I, I, you know whether we would say that we've now got the final answer. That's not clear, sure. but it's a it's a deeply powerful and persuasive text um, to think about that question.
0: Uh, um, interesting when you talk about the big questions because that's really what this show is about wouldn't one connect
1: what is love and what is justice? Mm -hmm. You can't have justice without love or love without justice. That's right. And does he address that? He does. You know, so one of the things that's interesting about Plato's Republic uh, is that uh, in order to get at the question of justice, he has to think not about what justice is abstractly, or at least this is his argument, but really what does it mean to be a human being? And to him, in many ways, what it means to be a human being is to be a member of a society. Mm -hmm. And of course, a society has lots of different components, one of which, of course, is your family relations, Mm -hmm. is your relations to other human beings. So, of course, love and all the affective relations um, would be part of trying to get at that. But what's really interesting in Plato's Republic is that he's trying to get an understanding of the human soul and how it's ordered, such that... We can actually approach um, notions of how to act correctly. One of my questions
0: from this, and clearly I'm not a Plato, you know, huge um, Plato reader, um, and clearly should be. Um, is uh, <laughs> yes, I'll make a pitch for that. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, when you say to be that Plato suggests that to be human is to be a member of society. Yeah but it isn't and i understand because we are social animals we right. you know absolutely we exist and and isolation i think and is quite unhealthy although there are times when we need space that's different sure. my question is is society
1: really the best place to put value? Because society can go very wrong sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. And in fact what he would say is that in order to understand what it means to live well or what it means for a society to be good, we of course are going to have to know and understand why societies go wrong, why individuals go wrong. But the idea of something that's actually pretty common amongst the Greeks and and, and I'll take a little step back from Plato's Republic, um, maybe Actually, a, a slight move to Aristotle for one second, um, which is that Aristotle has a claim in the politics where he says, he says man is a political animal, mm-hmm. that if, if you're not in politics, if you're not in a political society, you're either a beast or a god. That is to say, we, in, you know, and and of course, we in the West often have this image of, of breaking off out of society and becoming finally free. Right. Um, the argument in the, uh, that many of the Greeks had was that actually is an impossibility. That at that point you're either subhuman. Or have transcended what it means to be human, that to be human actually is to be with others in an organi- in a social organization. And Plato obviously thinks that way deeply. Um, he really wants to understand um, in the context of being with other people what it means to be a well-ordered human being with others. But isn't
0: being well-ordered uh, like the ultimate challenge? Most Absolutely. of
1: us aren't very well-ordered. No, ordered. no, that's right. So is he talking hypothetically or the, of the ideal? Well, so the answer is both yes and no. Um, he would say in some sense that we have um, um, three fundamental parts to our soul. That one is the affected, affective part of the soul, the emotional part of the soul – or desiring part of the soul. The second part of the soul is, let's say, let's call it the honor seeking Mm -hmm. part of the soul. And then the third part of the soul is the reasoning part of the soul. And the problems that all of us have is that if we think in that typology, is that um, we're – you you're often actually privileging or or prioritizing the wrong part of your soul. That is to say, if we desire, which most of us do, certainly kids do. I mean, what 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 are kids but as it were, utterly desiring beings? Right. Um, and in fact, you know, you want to say like, "Wow, could you put a little more reason in there, mm-hmm. right?" Um, and 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 the answer generally is no with kids. Um, as it turns out, with many human beings. Desire is the most important thing also right. and what ends up happening is the other parts of the soul are serving the interests of their desires. That is to say they're subordinated to them so right. that our desire for honor often is actually simply an attempt to get more of the things we desire. It's not a thing unto itself and likewise reason is often put to the use mm. of of gaining the things we desire. Um, what what Plato is trying to show as for hu- human beings as individuals is that the proper order of a soul mm-hmm. is actually the desiring part of the soul being lowest, right. being controlled by the honoring part of the soul, the honor-desiring part of the soul, which itself is controlled by or subordinated to the reasoning part of the soul. Now, what that means in some sense is that um, the things we desire are utterly subordinate, whether it's honor sure. or, or it's sort of acquisitive things, are utterly subordinated for for the well-balanced hu- human being to reason. And of course, he's making a plug there for the notion of the philosopher as right. being the well-ordered human being. Now, we think of philosophers as, as sort of um, – what do we want to say? Slightly off their rockers. That is to say, they go around simply thinking deep thoughts and 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 you know bump into walls or things <laughs> like that. Um, but what he's saying is actually no, no. That's actually the the goal, the final proper organization of of the of the things that drive us, um, and that that's where real happiness is. See that- Two questions. Firstly, when, uh, you know, a clarification about
0: soul. Yeah. Know, because when Plato talks about soul, that's not uh, the soul that we talk about often in religious communities. That's correct. So that, that's one question which w- sure. I definitely want to explore. The other is I understand when he's talking about happiness, contentment, yeah. when you're not desiring so much. Right. I can't help but think he probably wasn't much fun to be around. You know what I mean? Because… And maybe this is a, a modern nihilistic. Right. Let's all go have fun. You only live once. Right. You know that the, that's the real thing right. at the moment, isn't it? YOLO. You know, you only <laughs> live once, and, and and so just carpe diem, seize the day, and right. so on. Right. Um, you know, really suck the the marrow out of life, and, and you know, really get involved in everything. And he's not saying that at all, is he? He's saying
1: be with life. Is that right? Or Don't let the desire control you. That's correct because then in a certain sense, you're a slave. Right. Um, And which is not to say that we ever have – so what Plato usually does is he has characters. All his his books basically are are stories Mm -hmm. and and perhaps the main character is Socrates and people probably know this. Uh, But Socrates, oddly enough, as the sort of – Mm, avatar of a well-ordered human being, although I'm not sure Socrates himself would claim that, never is really alone. He is usually in conversation with people and those conversations – well – they're, they, I think, they're fun for him. <laughs> they are fun for some of the interlocutors, but right. others of the interlocutors are deeply upset by the conversations and deeply offended. And in fact, he ends up, of course, and not to give away the story, spoiler. but he ends he ends up. That's right. Spoiler alert. He ends up um, uh, being charged right. um, with crimes um, against the city of Athens and put to death for it right. um, because people found him to what do you want to say subversive. So fun. Hmm. He, he, I think, lived. Li- he would say he lived life with great happiness, yeah. and and um, and was never apart from the society in any in any persistent way. Right. He was he was as it were thinking he was doing what a citizen needed to do.
0: I've been uh, hosting the show for a long time, and when I sit and meet with differing. Uh, teachers and religious leaders sometimes the overwhelming sense of calm mm-hmm. that some people have yeah. because they're not beholden to their desires yeah. because they understand that they are already so affluent, so lucky that they that they enjoy what they have yes. as opposed to obsess about what they don't have yes um, so I can understand it's it's very attractive to be around but it also is very challenging that's right when I mean our, our entire society is based around Absolutely. the need to acquire more. Right. Uh, or to be someone else. That's right. To be the better version of you because what you are right now is not good enough. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's totally the opposite of, of what we have here, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Although what's interesting is um, the tranquility and the um, simple, um, what do you want to say, uh, being in the present that you might find from certain religious traditions might be something um, – Slightly different than what Socrates or Plato is arguing for because there's a deep notion of, of um, intellection that is to mm. say thinking hard. So we might call that a kind of selflessness. You know, I'm thinking of Buddhism and, and right. meditation as a, as a pathway to that um, yeah. where you're simply in the present moment. Um, I, I, I almost want to say that at least by the example of Socrates, he's asking questions. There's a kind of deep Questioning attitude that is crucial to the happiness, which of course, in some ways you know this better than i um, is is something inherent in the Jewish tradition, um, which is not simply a kind of dwelling generally right. but actually a kind of um, mm, slightly neurotic questioning <laughs> and 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 you know Socrates might be akin to that in a way
0: I wonder if that 's why
1: I do this show because I want to keep
0: <laughs> asking questions i, I, I so so there 's a a A comfort in what is, but a desire to know more, to explore more, which is different to a desire to acquire more. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So before we take a break, let's just go back to that question about soul. Um, Since it's been mentioned so often. So what's the difference as as Plato understands soul to how a lot of people today, especially religious communities, understand soul? Yeah.
1: So, and I'm going to take some, I'm going to do some generalizing here and you can you can uh, undercut those as as you wish uh, soul certainly in in Christianity or at least in 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 more contemporary understandings of it, is deeply tied to the Godhead, mm-hmm. um, that is to say, our soul is a gift of and our participation in the divine um, understood um, as as let 's say in Thomas Aquinas as a kind of um, uh, perfect being that um, that organizes all. Um, and uh, and and so, as much as we can understand the soul as as a moment of or participating in that divine, um, then then we have some um, understanding of how we are part of the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, that formulation actually maybe is not totally different than Socrates, but I think Socrates or Plato rather would want to say that our soul—we would call it um, suke or our psycholo- psyche right. that it's more, as it were, grounded in the in the human. Um, now, it there are certain stories in some of Plato where he says, "Well, it persists after death, and you get to embody a new person with that right. that soul or psyche." Um, uh, but, you, but you don't. Um, it's not simply – it's sort of the fundamental uh, organization of who we are as individuals.
0: This is wonderful. We're going to take a break. Um, and after we come back, let's talk about uh, the most – perhaps the most famous part of Plato's Republic, which is the Allegory of the Cave. Great. So you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich, uh, my guest this evening, Ned Wolpin from St. John's College. And we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. My guest this evening is uh, Ned Wolpin, tutor at Saint John's College, um, who's been explaining to us um, little aspects of Plato's Republic. and And let's go to the most famous thing, which is the allegory of the cave. Yeah. How would you, if somebody had never heard of this before, how would you describe that allegory?
1: Yeah. So, so Plato, through the voice of Socrates, often uses allegories or stories to try to convey what he's after. And and this famous one of the allegory of the cave um, is really sort of worth sort of taking some note of. His point, he, he has a vision that we are all in a cave, deep in a cave, and I, I, my modern vision of it is, is if you go to the, um, a movie theater and you're in those movie seats, maybe the more comfortable ones because you're going to be there for a while, um, you're locked in those seats and you're looking at, in essence, this movie screen. Mm-hmm. Now, for Socrates obviously or Plato, there was no movie <laughs> screen but, um, but there was a wall and projected onto that wall were shadows mm-hmm. and what everyone spent their time doing – was looking at the shadows and trying to identify them. And in fact some people got very good at identifying Oh right, there's a cow or there's a um and and you can imagine but they don't know what it is. And in fact they're not even close to it because they're just as it were trying to identify these beinglessness, beingless right. things. Um, and and the the point of that image is that most of us are spent in our lives Locked in these chairs, maybe they're comfortable. Looking at things that actually have no substance, and are, as it were, spending our time trying to see if we can um, say what they are and convince other people what they are. Who who chained us? Who locked us in? Yeah. So one might say it is actually the human condition to be locked in. That that's actually how we're born. That's actually how we interact with everyone else. That's all we do. That's where we live. Mm. Now what's interesting about this, you, 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 people who are saying, well, who projected the shadows? Mm-hmm. Who, where did the shadows come from? Now what, what he says there is that um, there are these people standing in front of a fire mm-hmm. and are, have little puppets and they are projecting from that fire onto the wall these things. And, and the end result is these are of course – or not of course but are poets – that are giving us images. Ah. Now poets could be larger than just poetry. It's all arts. Right. It's actually in many ways religion. All these things projecting to everyone things that are that are themselves not real. They're puppets. They're they're they're, they're as it were created by the artists. And projected as shadows onto the wall, and everyone spends their time looking. So then, what? Well, what in the world are these puppets? We might say. And the answer is, is that the the poets, all these people, all these artists, all these um, in often religious people, had a glimpse of something that was real. Mm-hmm. And from that single little glimpse, they go back and they make these puppets. These these little things that are reflective of that one moment of glimpse of something real. And that's what they're projecting to it. But they're spending all their time with those false little toys. Right.
0: But who's to say what is real and what is not? You know, if if somebody comes to me and says everything in your life is a lie yes. and you are totally ignorant, yes. one, I'm not going to take that message well. <laughs> that's right. Um, but two, who's to say that their experience of what is real – is accurate. How you know? How can Plato say that yeah. with such confidence? Well,
1: so here's the here's how the the, the allegory continues, and 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 you, you may not like it, but uh, but it's what he says. <laughs> um, so there's this one person who ha- who is in the chair, in the movie chair, looking right. at the shadows, and for some reason, his fetters, his chains, come off. And he is dragged out, dragged past the poets, and sees, oh my God! The, or he doesn't know yeah, what I they know. are, but they're, they're these those shadows are just these this puppet show. And he's dragged out further out of the cave and into the light of the day, mm-hmm. and then then over your eyes. Need to get acclimated, but this person eventually sees all real things. Now, who is that person? That person is the philosopher, oh, who, as it were, of course, right, um, <laughs> who is, as it were, pulled away from for some reason, maybe from just something in that person's soul, maybe from someone else, and is able to see the falseness of the shadows and the, and the falseness, even although slightly less false. Of the puppets right. and is the, able to then, as it were, see the light of the day, the real world from which all these things, all these images remotely come. So is everybody stuck in the cave forever
0: or can the philosopher help drag other people out of the cave? I can't help but think – and I know it's trite – of the matrix yes. um, of of making a choice and and – coming out into the real world yeah. and liberating people from the fiction that yeah. they've been shown. Is that possible or is it only possible? Is the red pill, blue pill of the matrix <laughs> right. be a philosopher?
1: Well, so so the way I would put it um, is, is that very few people can do philosophy. And indeed, what, what's interesting about Plato's Republic is that The philosopher doesn't want to go back in after – once you're out of the cave and you're seeing the real things, you don't want to go back into the cave. But as it turns out, because in fact we are – political animals, the philosopher is dragged back into the cave and has to rule. Now, what that doesn't mean necessarily, (laughs) I'm sorry to say, is to turn everyone into philosophers and to release their fetters. It doesn't. It actually means that the person who sees the truth, who has reason ordering his or her soul, is the one best capable of organizing human affairs so that we can actually live justly. But.
0: Wouldn't that person be miserable yes. when you when you are dragged into the light yeah. and you suddenly see and you say oh now I understand yes. and you're dragged back and you know you can't go back out it means almost more before
1: when we were talking about they were content yeah I would be miserable that's right but it's a service, and, you, and over the course of Plato's Republic, it gets obviously very complicated. How you're going to organize all this? And needless to say, we don't see many philosophers ruling. That is, to, and he calls right. them philosopher kings. Um, in our world, we don't see any. I would say, <laughs> but um, uh, but yes, no, the philosopher doesn't want to go back in. The philosopher finds it painful, and in fact, of course. When the philosopher comes from the light back into the, sh- into the cave, of course, the philosopher can't even see for a while there. Right. So there is a, a process again of acclimation. But it is one in which the philosopher in the course of Plato's Republic um, and his attempt to understand what the best regime might look like such that we can understand how justice is played out politically, the philosopher is compelled to do it for a period of time and then can go back out and dwell. Ah. So the, there is – I take it implicit in that you got to produce enough of these people. Right. in order to have, uh, as it were, a, um, a stable right. of philosophers to come back in and continue to rule. In some
0: sense, I really love this idea because, because I think it's really important for us to transcend social norms, to question them particularly, yep. to ask, is this real? Is this valid? And so in some sense, I find this a very liberating way of, of viewing society. Yep. What if you step out? And that's why I think The Matrix was such a powerful sure. film for so many people. At the same time, it's staggeringly patronizing. Yes, because what that means is everyone who does not think the same way as you yes. is in the dark. Yes, um, and um, and I, I'm not sure how to emotionally respond to that. Right. Or, or,
1: or, how was it responded to in his day? Well, needless to say, in his day, the, the Athenians who were basically being told they don't know what they're doing right. uh, didn't like, and they killed them. Uh, here's what I would say, and 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 this doesn't fully answer your question. But w- we, in the modern world, tend to not think that um, that the order of things is like that. That is to say, there's a true order of things mm. that is fundamental. If you can see them, then you know more. And those who see less, in fact, actually don't know anything. They only um, have opinions. What we tend to say, um, and this this is a fundamental difference between the Greek point of view, if I can be generalizing, and the modern point of view is that all of us can participate in both opinion and also knowledge. Mm -hmm. We might be messed up and get a mixture of it at times, um, but in fact, there is no hierarchy, the order, there is no fundamental order to things. If you think about it implicitly in Plato, the whole world is organized, Mm -hmm. both our soul, the political regime, and the nature of things, such that there is truth and wholeness and then there are things that come to be and fall away right. and we all participate mostly in the in the things that come to be and falling away which would be opinions but also our bodies but the things that are timeless are the fundamental things that are true that are the things that the that opinions reflect in the modern world we actually say no no the world is actually something like matter in motion. It the, the, the world is just particular things that move and come together in combinations, both opinions and knowledge, and where it's always progressive but not necessarily progressive in a good way, mm-hmm. um, and that we all are privy to it. And so the idea that someone says, no, no, you don't know, I know, actually is f- fundamentally antithetical to the way we think the world is. Right. Um, Modern science is based on the notion that the world is always unfolding in new ways, that there is no fundamental truth. Right. That's, and even the way we observe changes. Absolutely. Right. So, so what's at stake in this is that we may – we have done incredible things in our modern world with democratizing education, with allowing people to feel enfranchised. And, and participate and to be a, a respect as an individual, uh, what we may be missing is any sense that the, that the whole world has a wholeness and an order to it. We right. may give up on that by virtue of wanting this kind of independence and individuality. Um, and it may blind us to the fact in some sense that the world may be fundamentally ordered. But if it is – There are some people who might see it better than others. But with our our last minute, let me ask,
0: the perception that the world was ordered has for so long in history been connected with a patriarchal order. Yes. So therefore, as we break down a patriarchal domination of society, it's only natural we're going to say actually this is much more relative than absolute. That's right. Can we ever go back there? I think the, – Right. So – would
1: we want to? Right. So that – that. so um, clearly the orders that were overseeing everyone else have deep flaws to them. Right. Um, I guess that what – I my only possible rejoinder to that because obviously I see all the problems with any kind of um, ordered society other than a democracy uh, is that um, – we could try to imagine a way in which those who truly understand better are in fact seeing something rather than simply presuming it's all relative. Um, I leave that as a problem, not mm-hmm. as a solution. Well then let's have you back. Um, and let's continue this discussion about
0: this exact problem and also the idea of justice uh, in Plato's Republic. I right. think that would be wonderful. Great. Love it. So thank you to Ned Wolpin from St. John's College. I really enjoyed our conversation again and, and hope we can continue uh, because this has been fascinating for me. Right. And hopefully I won't be as chained um, and those listening won't feel as chained and can be liberated by um, by our knowledge and insight and going into the light, I think. Um, so please do return. Um, You have been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks time, keep searching.